Hebrews chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 8. We'll read responsively down to verse number 14. Hebrews chapter number 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 8. Then you'll join me on verse number 9. We'll alternate like that all the way through the end of the chapter. Verse number 14. Hebrews chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 8. The Bible says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's pray. Lord, we love you now, and we thank you for what you've done already in our hearts and in our minds this morning through Sunday school, through the preaching of God's word, through the fellowship that we enjoyed this morning, through the good music both this morning and this evening. Thank you for a place that we can come and enjoy spending time with one another who believe the word of God the same way we do, who enjoy learning and growing through the teaching and preaching of God's word. There's no better life to live. Now, Lord, this evening you've got something else for us prepared. So please, would you fill the pastor with the Holy Spirit's power as he preaches. May our hearts be tender, may our minds be open. Lord, may we desire not to just check another box to say we were here, but Lord, may we truly desire to learn from God's word this evening. Speak to our hearts. Now, we'll ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open to Hebrews 5. I'm going to be keying in on it here in a moment, but let me lay a foundation and then we'll jump into the truth tonight. I have always enjoyed being a dad. Uh, My wife and I have three children, and dad is one of those titles that I wear gladly. Matter of fact, we now have five children because I have two that are married, and I have a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law, but they're not my in-laws, they're my kids. Uh, so we went from three to five kids. I have one that still needs to figure it out, but we'll get there. Uh, no, <laughs> I've, uh, I've never been a perfect dad. I'll say that, and I don't need an amen behind me either. Uh, but I have loved my kids. There's been many a time I've had to say, I'm sorry, I didn't do that right. I didn't handle that right. I was wrong. Say, preacher, you said that? Yeah, I taught my kids, if they're supposed to say it, so should I. Uh, But I did try to steer them a right direction. One thing I did, my very best to teach them, was something called obedience. You know... If you chose one word that may be the reason people are successful, whether it be in business, whether it be as a parent, whether it be as a child, whether it be as a Christian, probably the key word would be the word obey. If we would just obey. 
my new grandson is just a little over two months old. And boy, what a joy. What a responsibility. Uh, I remember the day he came home and I held him in my arms and I looked at him and I thought, man, this is pretty cool. I get to love on him and send him back and I don't have to change a diaper. I don't have to do nothing. But then it hit me. He's going to call me Pawpaw someday. I have a responsibility to lay a foundation for him. Though someday he may want to do something his mom and dad, no, not may, he will want to do something his mom and dad do not want him to do. It'll be my responsibility to guide him to obey. As my children grew, listen to this statement. I knew they had to obey. They would not just obey because I wanted them to. They would not obey because I expected them to. You see, they needed to hear the word no and understand what no meant. In other words, there needed to be suffering if there was an obedience. You see, there would be a on the hand. Uh, if they got to that wonderful age of three and they started talking back, maybe a little on the, on the mouth. Not enough to, you know, just enough to get their attention. When they're toddling around in a diaper, a whap on the diaper or back of the leg. You know, just enough to get their attention. I remember the first time, I won't tell you which child of mine, <clears throat> was at his grandfather's house and his grandfather got on him. You'd have thought the world ended. But I heard my father say, you know your mom and dad don't want you to do that. Now, wait a minute. He still does. No. Uh, <clears throat> Listen to this statement. Suffering teaches obedience. Suffering teaches obedience. Look at Hebrews 5 again. Look at verse number 8. Though he were a son, this is speaking of Jesus, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Even the Son of God had to learn obedience in the flesh of man by suffering. That does not mean that Jesus talked back to his mom and dad and got in the mouth. I'll hit on that in just a moment. But there is suffering in learning obedience. One of my children, and again, I will not name which of the three, you won't know, but when they were little, someone bought them a shirt that said, my name is no-no. <laughs> <clears throat> Say why? Because every other word was no, no, no. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Nowhere in the Bible does it say 
we deserve a life that is problem or suffering free. Nowhere. It is not found anywhere in the scripture. It does say, though, that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Sin causes suffering. Our Savior was not the sinner, but he lived in a world of sinners. It is not only our sin that causes suffering. It is the sin of others that also causes us suffering. Look what we've got going on politically. Aren't we all suffering? Our wonderful president wants to now, if you have a credit score of 680 or above, if you go get a new mortgage, you're going to be taxed so that you pay for somebody that doesn't have the ability to make their payments. So be careful. Let's take from successful people and give it to people that are unsuccessful. Let's take people who can make their payments on time and make up for those who don't have enough character and who won't make payments on time. That's what they want to do. That's suffering for obedience. You see, uh, Jesus was the only one without sin. Yet, because every person on earth and around him were sinners, he suffered. God tells us that suffering is the teacher of obedience. Look at Hebrews 5, 8 again. But though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. In other words, suffering became a teacher for obedience. Correct? All right. Now. Listen to this for a moment. If suffering teaches obedience, think with me. That means no suffering teaches disobedience. No suffering teaches rebellion. No suffering teaches bitterness. If suffering teaches obedience, then the lack of suffering teaches the opposite. This mixed up crazy world, this godless humanistic society says, no child should suffer or ever have need. And no wonder everybody's rebelling, living like animals and worse than animals. When you don't put any bite or any uh, any consequences on disobedience, look what happens. Now, I'm going somewhere. Hang on. No wonder we have a generation of people who not only don't want to obey, they now criticize those who do. Suffering teaches obedience. The lack of suffering teaches disobedience. You know, I challenge you. 
Go through that book and find one time Jesus or God ever complained about suffering. He didn't. Remember, he had the same flesh you and I have. He felt pain. He loved people deeper than we know how to love. He was hurt by his own family. He was chased out of his own hometown. Think through that. How'd you like to get run out of town? He had people seeking to kill him. He had to flee for his life so that he could make it to Calvary. Yet, he faced it all without sinning. But is it no wonder when he was faced looking over the city that it said that Jesus wept? He was suffering. He suffered that they did not understand how much he loved them. Jesus did not complain about the people who hated him. He said, matter of fact, love them, don't hate them. Jesus never said a word of false accusation. And he never spoke against those who falsely accused him at Calvary. Jesus used this suffering as a way to learn how to obey God more. Listen to this statement. Jesus didn't run away when he suffered. Jesus didn't go and hide. Jesus didn't get on his phone or on Facebook or on Twitter and complain to the whole world about how bad everybody was treating him. His suffering didn't change right or wrong. He allowed suffering to build toughness so they could make it to Calvary. I'm going to give you a few thoughts. It won't take us long, but I want you to listen carefully. Number one, suffering means that there are hurtful consequences for decisions. Suffering means there are hurtful consequences for decisions. By the way, listen to this statement. That doesn't mean that there's not hurtful consequences for making good decisions. How many times have you had to make a stand for right and people hurt you for it? You get saved or start living the good Christian life and you have family members that don't quite understand. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. Sometimes there's suffering that goes with a right stand. You see, even good decisions can have consequences that have bad suffering that goes with it. I'm looking across the room at a whole room full of people. I could tell most everybody in here some of the things you suffer. Sometimes it's just the person you look at in the mirror. But anyway, remember the Steve? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Now, if you make a bad decision, you expect bad consequences. But why is it we Christians make a good decision and then we complain about the consequences that come with it? 
Good decision causes suffering to the ones who make it, but it also causes suffering to those against whom that decision was made. You don't preach like I do and not get criticized from time to time. That's okay. You throw a rock in a pack of dogs and one that yelps is the one you hit. Doesn't bother me. You say, preacher, I was talking to somebody. They said they've been here and they don't like you. That's all right. There's times I don't like me. Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, there's times I've, I've taken heat for people in our church. Why? It's my job. Go ahead. Fire at my, my back. I can take it. I got tough hide back there. My job's to shield and protect you. There was, years ago, some of you were around, there was a man that came and interrupted a church service. He wanted to stand up in front of the whole church and criticize somebody in our church. I shut him down. I had him taken out. I had two men walk him out. During the invitation, I went to that that man and I said, you sit right here, the man that he was going to criticize. I said, I'm going to make sure the way's clear. And the guy was standing outside ready to pounce on everybody that came down the steps. I got in his grill, and I walked him off the property. I said, you're not going to do that here. Well, they need, and I said, no, you're a gossip, and you're filthy, and you're vile, and you're evil. Get out of here. I had, I had men like Evan and Scott, big guys, flanking the guys. I had, there was enough firepower on there that if he opened his mouth wide, we were going to fill it. You say, did he say anything? No, because I stood there and looked at him the whole time. I just watched him. Do you know that two weeks later, that man came by my office during the week and said, Pastor, I need to apologize. I said, yes, you do, but not to me. I said, you feel you've been wronged, and you may have been, but you were wrong in how you handled it. There were consequences that went with that. Everybody doing okay? All right, hang in there. I hear a pizza. <laughs> That's funny. There are consequences. Anyway. <laughs> that just applied so well, didn't it? Oh. Now. <laughs> Pepperoni, sausage, and mushrooms, all right? Anyway, I, I'm teasing, by the way. Hang on. Jesus didn't make bad decisions, but did you know that Jesus' decisions caused suffering for himself and others? Did you know Jesus' decisions for right chapped the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests? He turned them on their ear. Did you know that Jesus' decision to choose his disciples, 11 of the 12 suffered being killed for what they stood for? And one went out and hanged himself because he wasn't saved and was filled with the devil. Look how many people have suffered a death due to standing for right. Look how many people have been persecuted for obeying Christ. 
Look how many missionaries. In, in the last couple of years, I know of three different missionaries and their families who have been murdered on the foreign field. I know of another one. Matter of fact, he's at uh, Brother Provost's church tonight, Brother Joel Desir down in, uh, is it Haiti? He's down in Haiti. He and another man were kidnapped, held ransom for over $40,000, spent weeks in being kidnapped. The government had to whisk his family out of Haiti to get them here. By the way, he's going back and continuing to build churches in Haiti. Say why? He's a Haitian national. He's going back home. He knows what God wants him to do. I remember we prayed for him. Hmm. Sometimes making a right decision is going to cause suffering. Sometimes it's going to cause you to suffer. Sometimes it'll cause followers to suffer. Sometimes it causes suffering to those against whom you're standing. When my children were growing up. They had a dad who was in the line of fire a lot. There were times I would look at my kids and say, I'm sorry you're suffering for this, but welcome to having the last name Bush. It may not be fair, but it's what your lot is. Suck it up. Let's do it. Or in the words of my daughter, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You say, that's not fair. May not be fair, but it comes with territory. Just the way it is. There are times that there is more expected, even though it should not be. Did you know families who work on a church staff, their kids are sinners just like your kids? There should not be more expected of them than your kids. My children knew this to be true. Sometimes they loved it. Sometimes they hated it. My favorite statement was, I don't care what your last name is. That was true as a Christian school principal. It's true as a pastor. I'll treat everybody the same. Don't care what the last name is. Everybody doing okay? Why? That's how you treat people. You say, well, that person should know better. How many things did you know better that you didn't do right? The fact that you would make a statement like that says something. So suffering means that there are hurtful consequences to decisions. Let me show you what I mean. Not all decisions are bad decisions, but they're consequences that hurt. Ladies, how many of you have ever had a baby? Raise your hand. There are hurtful consequences to decisions. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, getting married. That's a hurtful decision. Amen? <laughs> Don't do that, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not your priest. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? Is it a bad decision? No, it's not a bad decision, but there are hurtful consequences that go with it. You think the nine months of pregnancy is bad. Wait for the first six months after that critter's there, and you're awake every two hours. And then you can't, they don't come with an instruction manual, and they can't tell you what's wrong. There are hurtful consequences even to good decisions. So, number two, more would obey 
if they suffered for their disobedience and their bad decisions. More people would obey if they suffered for their bad decisions and their disobedience. You have a creep in New York State who wants to attack President Trump. But he also said anybody caught for stealing will not be prosecuted. So go ahead and break the law, but we're going after other criminals who haven't committed crimes. Well, I happen to believe if you, persec- if you prosecute the small crimes, they're less likely to do the bigger crimes. Plain and simple. If you'll correct your children by the, before they turn three, when they turn 13, the battle won't be as bad. If you wait till they're 13 to fight the battle, you got a bigger battle that you may not win. You say, when do you start teaching correction to a child? The moment it breathes outside the womb. I believe infants need time alone to cry. They don't need coddled and picked up every time. They need, yeah, they need time to be by themselves. They need to know that it's okay to be by themselves. And just because they cry, they're not going to get what they want. That's why you have this woke generation that we have today. Suffering causes a person to not make, not, causes a person to not want to make the same bad decision again. You may or may not agree with me. I'll use the Bible. But spanking a child alone doesn't change their behavior. But I believe scripturally we should. Spanking is a physical reminder of what happens because of a bad decision. Every time my children were spanked by mom or dad, they heard this statement. A spanking will not fix this. But it will remind you the next time you're about to do it, what's coming. That's all that it's for. I didn't say beat a child. I didn't say abuse a child. But there is a physical reminder as to, to say, I did that once. When you hide the peas under the cushion of the kitchen chair and forget about them for a few days, and your mama finds them, sometimes there is a physical reminder that you ought not hide the peas under the cushion in the kitchen chair. We had a board of education meeting applied to the seat of knowledge. My dad bent me over. I had nothing but skin hanging out. My head up against the refrigerator, and he said, if you move, we're starting over. I was touching my ankles with my head on the refrigerator. Can I tell you something? I have never hit the peas under the cushion ever again. Now, I was not real smart, but I was a very fast learner. I don't think I ever got paddled for the same thing twice. I didn't say I didn't get paddled more than once, but I didn't get usually paddled for the same thing twice. I was smarter than that. 
You see, there has to be consequences for a bad decision. That's why in Proverbs it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction. A teacher who does not give fear does not teach children. Plain and simple. <laughs> Rule of thumb. First, first of the school year. Don't smile for the first four weeks. It's easier to back off than it is to put the pressure on. Well, I just want to be their friend. No, you're there to be their teacher, not their friend. They've got to fear you so that they don't want to cross the line. You tie a teacher's hands behind their back to where they can't correct somebody. And that's why in the state of New York and in other places, they are now putting teachers in, in behind bars, locking them in to teach classes. They're putting the wrong ones behind the bars. You see, it takes fear for learning. It takes consequences to bad decisions. I don't believe if a kid gets a wrong answer, you count it right. Well, I don't want them to feel bad. I want them to feel bad so they don't make the same stupid decision. Amen. <laughs> That's why we're supposed to train our dogs. Go figure. I like my dog. She's a chick with an attitude. She doesn't like you, she'll this with you. You never doubt what she's thinking. But I promise you this, she's going to obey me. My brother has a, a watchdog. And they have these shock collars. Oh, preacher, that's cruel. No, it's not. It, it, it gives them a warning. Now, that dog, anything that comes within his perimeter of... of of where he knows where that line is, trust me. But if somebody comes inside that line, he's like stink on a bug, let me tell you. Now, he'll run to that line, and all of a sudden that thing will go beep, and he's, he'll lock and load, buddy. His, his, if he's on the driveway, he, he's got sparks flying off those nails. And he'll stand there and bark and bark and bark and bark, but he's not going one step farther. There has to be consequences for disobedience. By the way, he's a good dog. Does his job well. Now wait a minute. <laughs> you teach them to stay in their yard by consequences. I teach my dog to sit and to stay by consequences. If she doesn't come when I call her, she's going to know she got in trouble. It doesn't mean you abuse them, but you give them what for and uh, how do you house train them? <laughs> you, there's consequences for bad behavior. Again, I'm not talking about abuse. But I am talking about that's why the average person, they put more into their animals than they do the kids. You'll train your dog, but you won't train children. Ouch. Disobedience has no lines or consequences, so there's no suffering. You let a child, you let an animal do what it wants, it will do much worse than what you want them to do. Well, I just love them so much, I don't want them to suffer. Then teach them to suffer so they'll obey. 
Do you know what the word instruct means? Instruction, teaching. It literally means to apply suffering for learning. A teacher is to cause students to suffer. It's called homework. It's called doing the same thing over and 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 over again. Say why? Because that's what life is. And if you don't learn it when you're young, the older you get, the more problems you're going to have because you refuse to learn it. Boy, that's good stuff. Amen, preacher. That means this. I believe a student ought to get the grade they earn, not throw it on a curve and not, well, two plus two equals five. They, they gave me a good enough reason, so I'll accept that. Uh-uh. If it's supposed to be word for word, it's word for word. Well, they only missed one word. It's wrong. I had a Bible college teacher. My first, my Old Testament survey teacher. This is a class with 700 students in it. My first test, three, four weeks into the semester, teacher gets up. Mrs. Lopez is laughing. She knows exactly this story because she was, she'd been in that class. Teacher gets up and says, dear Lord, I pray that you'd help those who have studied to do well on their test. Help those who have prepared to do well. Help those that didn't study, didn't prepare, and didn't pay attention in class. Help them to fail. You heard this moan across the auditorium. Have you ever had a teacher pray that you fail a test? That puts a little pressure on you. Let me tell you what, this next test people were studying. Man, he taught me character real fast. By the way, I had studied and I got an A on that test. Now, uh, that means I, I disagree with participation trophies. I don't think everybody ought to get a trophy. <laughs> Did you know out of all the professional athletes, there's only one team that gets the trophy? I've watched professional athletes lose a Super Bowl and cry. Oh. Now, I understand. Yeah, it must have been the cowgirls. I mean, uh, cowboys. Uh, <laughs> love you, Jimbo. Uh, that means this. I got in trouble because as a Christian school principal, I gave awards and not everybody got an award. And some kid cried one day and a guy got mad at me. Now he's a state senator. In our state. Now, wait a minute. He was mad at me because some kid cried because they didn't get an award. So? I remember striking out in the bottom of the sixth inning with bases loaded and lost the game for my team. I cried then. Guess what? Don't cry anymore. I've struck out a lot. Huh. Letting children or adults do whatever they want with no consequences gives us a woke society. I'm not angry with you. I'm just... Grandparents are not to be the parents of their grandchildren. Amen. Sorry. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, I understand in tra tragic situations, things happen. But you now have... 
in general, more grandparents rearing their grandkids as their own kids than parents who are raising their own kids. 35 and 40-year-olds living at home need to get out and go make a living and be a parent or be an adult. Grow up, have consequences. You are not kind, nice, or loving for taking consequences away. You're teaching rebellion and disobedience. Because God says that through suffering, we learn obedience. Number three, suffering will come to all. I must decide, like Jesus, if I will use it to obey or I use it to rebel. Let me say that again. Suffering will come to all. Therefore, I must decide, as Jesus did, will I use it to obey or will I rebel? You remember the story of Job? He lost all five of his businesses in one day. He lost all of his employees that were killed. A tornado came and crashed the house and all ten of his children were killed and their spouses. He lost his health. He lost the loyalty of his wife. She said, just curse God and die, Job. Job 13, 15, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Through suffering, he learned obedience. (laughs) What about Joseph in Genesis chapter 45? Joseph was sold. He was taken out with his brothers and they were going to kill him. Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, said, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit and maybe somebody, you know, we'll just uh, kill this animal and sprinkle blood everywhere and say that an animal killed him. But let's not kill him. We'll just leave him here to die on his own. While they were getting that ready, a group of, uh, I'll use the word gypsies, come by and they sold Joseph to these gypsies. They made some money off of him and then took that coat and sprinkled blood all over it and said that an animal came and killed him to his father. Those gypsies went into Egypt and then they sold Joseph to Potiphar as a slave. Joseph rises through the ranks, spends time in prison because of Potiphar's wife, comes back out after years rises to the second in power in the land of Egypt. Twenty-some years later, there's a famine in, in the land. God had used Joseph to protect, and there was plenty of food in Egypt, and Joseph's family leaves Israel, comes to Egypt to buy food. Guess Who's selling it? Joseph. They didn't recognize him. He's, he gives them what they want, and he puts their money back in the bags secretly. They get home and open up the bags and find all their money there. They said, uh-oh. When that was all used up, they went back, and uh, 
his, their dad said, look, take that money, take more money, and give them what was supposed to be given the first time. And they go back before him, and they said, look, uh, don't you have another brother? He said, yeah, our youngest is at home, but my dad won't let him come. He's already lost one son. He said, you go and bring him. Don't you come back here without him, or I'll have you killed. They went back and told their dad they bring him. Joseph can't stand it any longer. He tells everybody to leave but his brothers who are there, and he reveals to his brothers who he is. The Bible says that he wept exceedingly. Can you imagine seeing your brother after 20-some years that you thought was dead or sold into slavery, and now he's second in the land? Uh-oh. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God knew I needed to be here to save my family, and he called for his dad, and they brought 70 people with him, and he went to Potiphar and said, my family is coming, here they are, Can they, they're, they're herdsmen, could you give them some land to get through this? By the way, that's why they were in Egypt, and 500 years later, Moses had to lead them out. But the key statement was what Joseph said. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He had to suffer. His suffering brought obedience, and his obedience ends up saving his family. The disciples, they all took a stand for God after Calvary. Do you know that all of the disciples were murdered for standing for God. Some were boiled in oil, crucified, flayed alive. Peter was crucified and hung upside down. He refused to be hung like the Savior, so they hung him upside down. The martyrs through history. By the way, the martyrs through history are predicted in Hebrews chapter 11. Turn over to Hebrews 11. There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you ever want to read something that will disgust you, but yet show you how bad Christians have really suffered. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Remember the Romans who would throw Christians to the lions? Quenched the violence of fire. How many were burned at the stake? Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in the fight. Turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead. Raised to life again. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain the resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings. Scourgings. Yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. What does that mean? That would mean this, they would wrap people, uh, their bodies, their arms and in, in things in sheepskins, and it would wrap them very tightly with uh, wet skins, and as those skins dried, it would compress them, and they let them loose in the desert to die. 
being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Wow. Say why. There were consequences for doing good. Here's my question and I'm done. Do you want to waste your suffering and become bitter and disobedient? Or do you want to learn from your suffering and become obedient like Jesus? Are you going to let your suffering cause disobedience? Well, preacher, there's just so much going on. I can't serve God. I can't obey God. That could be what your problem is. Maybe we ought to try God's formula, not man's. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. He, through suffering, learned obedience. Obedience, such a simple word, but such a powerful truth.